Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and the podcast when you follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Walk in Truth Show. Now, here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Thessalonians 3 called, Now We Really Live If You Stand Firm in the Lord. chapter 5, Paul will write to the Thessalonians, God has not destined you for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not destined you for wrath, but he does know that the struggle will make you stronger. He does know that times like this can purify and strengthen his people. Do you sense that? I do. I sense a new depth of worship in your hearts and in your voices. I sense the church saying, you know what? Lord, help me to stand. Maybe there's mo- maybe you've been praying more desperate prayers than you've prayed ever in your life. Praise God if you're doing that. If the Garden of Gethsemane, so to speak, draws you closer to Jesus, if your Garden of Gethsemane draws you to the Lord for strength, amen, then that's good. For indeed, when we were with you four, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction, and so it came to pass, as you know. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, this he says a second time, I also sent to find out about your faith, for fear that the tempter might have tempted you, and our labor should be in vain. I could endure it no longer. Paul says, I couldn't stand it any longer. Look at verse five. I had to find out if you had stood or if you had given in to the tempter. Who's the tempter? Satan. He's mentioned in the previous chapter, Satan thwarted us. The tempter came into the Garden of Eden and tempted Eve, right? Did God really say? Tempted her with the forbidden fruit or the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in Matthew 4, and I got to take you, there, because I, I want you to see how this works. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, hold your place in First Thessalonians. I want to show you where this tempter word is used. I think it's the only other place that I found it as Satan is described as the tempter, and it's in the life of Jesus. Jesus is driven up by the Spirit into the wilderness right after his baptism, right after the Father affirms him, right after You could say the beginning of his public ministry, so to speak. And after Jesus had fasted, Matthew 4, 2, 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. That's an understatement, right? And the tempter, Matthew 4, 3, came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones become bread. In that area of the world, there's stones everywhere that can look like loaves of bread. And Jesus responds with the word of God and says, It is written, man shall not live on what? Bread alone, quoting Deuteronomy 8.3, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. When Jesus was tempted in his moment of physical weakness, turn back to 1 Thessalonians Jesus, the master swordsman, wielding the sword of the word of God, responded to the tempter with the Bible. And do you know, we have an insight here now on how Satan works. He tries to tempt new believers to fall away. He tries to pluck the seed away of the word of God. Everybody understand? 
One of the things that Satan the tempter tries to do, apparently one of the main things is steal away your faith. Get you to retreat. Get you to say, you know what? I don't think I'm a Christian anymore. I'm not going to do this Christian thing anymore. I'm not going to live a Christian life anymore. And the tempter dangles the carrot, so to speak. He might say something like this to Jesus. Yeah, where's your father right now? Why are you fasting? If you're the son of God, shouldn't you have a feast? You're a king. You're the king of kings and the Lord of lords, aren't you? God's holding out on you. Why do you have to suffer? Why do you have to fast? Why are you going to have to face a cross? Take the easy way. Just bow down and worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. You don't have to go through this. Why would you have to suffer? The, the embodiment of God on the planet you are, you are the God, man. You are Emmanuel. Why? You ever hear that voice? Why are you going through this? Why is the line in the fast food place so long? You shouldn't have to suffer. Oh, do you hear us whining a little bit? I wanted in a line at the grocery store and they're out of Kit Kats. I really wanted a Kit Kat. And then I... What? <laughs> it's a personal testimony right there. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, we sent him to find out and has brought us good news. This uh, phrase is usually for the preaching of the gospel. It's, uh, I think, the only time it's used here for something else, maybe one other place in Revelation 10. He brought us, it was a veritable gospel of your faith and love and that you always, there's no cell phones, there's no email. How, how are you going to find out unless you send a messenger? And Timothy found out that you always think kindly of us. You haven't backed off. You long to see us as much as we long to see you. Glory. You haven't gone anywhere. In fact, you've been saying, man, we'd like to see Paul again. You know how that must have flooded Paul's heart with joy. And I told you that story at the outset of this sermon to, to give you a word picture to say, Hey, isn't it cool if you went back and were able to visit somebody 20 years later and found them flourishing and they said, I, I was hoping for a day when I could see you again. You don't know what you mean to me. You led me to the living God. It's changed everything in my life. Not only my life, but my destiny. See, we downplay the power of the gospel. And Paul would say like John, I have no greater joy than this than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Or Paul might say, my crown's intact. Because these people were his crown. For this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, we, we were comforted about you through your faith. You want to know what made the guy who wrote Philippians 4, 6, and 7 be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do you think that he always lived that? No. Do you know what made Paul uptight and nervous and even depressed at times in his life was whether or not Christians were standing strong that he had preached the gospel to. Because he knew people came right behind him and tried to woo them away. He knew tr people tried to undermine his work wherever he went. He knew the enemy was always hot on his trail. That's what he worried about. He worried about the condition of the church. The writer of Proverbs says, Know well the condition of your flocks and herds. And Paul writes in 2 uh, Corinthians and this is one other place I want to take you, but I think you're going to see why. Go over to 2 Corinthians, so just a little bit back. Chapter 7. And I'm going to show you 
a few verses that I hope will comfort you, especially if you're feeling a little bit down right now. The man who wrote Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing, was sometimes anxious. Isn't that a little strange? The guy who wrote the Bible verse needed to heed his own verse. Someone might say, might say to Paul, calm down. Paul, don't you know Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing? He might say, I wrote that. Don't use my own verses on me. <laughs> And we could be really good at having a life verse that we ain't living. You have one of those life verses you sign every card or email or text. And maybe it's, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Or maybe you have Psalm 46, be still and know. And then you, you realize, I'm not even living my verse. Help me, Lord. 2 Corinthians 7, 5 says, I do not speak to condemn you. Actually, verse 3. I do not speak to condemn you, for I've said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. Great is my confidence in you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I'm filled with comfort. I'm overflowing with joy in all our affliction. For even when we came to Macedonia 7, 5, our flesh had no rest, but we were afflicted on every side, conflicts without, fears within, but God, who comforts the depressed, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted in you as he reported to us your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. If you go back to 1 Thessalonians, we'll finish it. Paul was a bit at odds with the Corinthian church. He had to write some hard stuff. And he thought maybe they didn't like him anymore. Maybe they believed the lies about him. And Titus came back and comforted Paul, who apparently was depressed, wondering how the Corinthians felt about him. Do you see how human our Bibles are? Do you see how human our heroes are? Sometimes we get the notion that, you know, people who are in positions like this, even apostles and prophets, never had a bad day, never had a worry, never were depressed, never were freaked out, never were troubled. Don't you believe that? And when you struggle with it, know that you're not alone. And that's when you're going to need a word from someone who can encourage you. Or uh, you're going to have a, a message on the radio that you hear. Or a pastor will bring a timely word. Or a friend will send you a, a Bible verse. Hey, I think this is for you. And you'll find strength in it. And that's, that's good. Don't think that you can be an island, brethren. And that you can do this Christian life all by yourself. Not even Paul could do that. For now, 8, 1 Thessalonians 3, we really live. If you stand firm in the Lord. The idea of live there is a word from Zeo. It's a word for life. It, the news was life-giving. It was a breath of fresh air. You might say it this way, now we come alive because you're standing strong. You ever had someone speak a word to you and it's like you came alive? You know, this is what the gospel does. The gospel breathes life into us. We were dead in our sins, but now we are alive. He was dead. This son of mine was dead, but he's alive again. Luke 15, the, the story of the prodigal, he's alive. This is what the Word of God does. This is what the good news does. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team invite you to Harvest Fest 2020. Harvest Fest is free and will be outside Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. This is an entertaining, fun, and safe way for your family to spend October 31st. You and the kids will enjoy fun activities like trunks of treats, find your way through a life-size maze, play games like the cakewalk, and of course, have a chance to fellowship with worship music. Again, bring your family and friends and come out and meet Pastor Michael at Harvest Fest, October 31st from 6 to 8.30 p.m. outside Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. Call 844-48-TRUTH for information and directions. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Don't think that you can be an island, brethren, and that you can do this Christian life all by yourself. Not even Paul could do that. For now, 8, 1 Thessalonians 3, we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. The idea of live there is a word from Zeo. It's a word for life. It, the news was life-giving. It was a breath of fresh air. You might say it this way, now we come alive because you're standing strong. You ever had someone speak a word to you and it's like you came alive? You know, this is what the gospel does. The gospel breathes life into us. We were dead in our sins, but now we are alive. He was dead. This son of mine was dead, but he's alive again. Luke 15, the, the story of the prodigal. He's alive. This is what the word of God does. This is what the good news does. This is what Emmanuel does. There's a prophecy in Isaiah 7. I won't take you there, but Isaiah has gone to meet King Ahaz and King Ahaz is being threatened by foreign armies and it's an overwhelming threat. And the prophet says, be calm. Just look to the Lord, look to Emmanuel. God is with us, famous prophecy in Isaiah 7 about Emmanuel. And then he says these words. He says, if you will not believe, you surely will not last, King Ahaz. If you do not firm up, you will not be confirmed. Or the NIV renders... Isaiah 7, 8, or 7, 9, this way. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God? Now that we've heard this, well, how can I begin to thank God on your account? How can I give thanks to God? There's a scholar I was reading this week who said he thinks this is from Psalm 116. Listen to it. Let it bless you. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I shall lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord. Oh, may it be in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. Oh, Lord, surely I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of thy handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds to thee, I will offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call upon the name of the Lord. Psalm 116, 12 through 17. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits? You taken any stock lately of all your blessings? Found yourself maybe going something like this? You know, man, I've taken a lot of things for granted the last 
5, 10, 20 years of my life. I, I, take, I take a look around and go, wow, I'm a blessed person. What shall I, how, how can I express my thanks to the Lord? Not only for that, but for my salvation. Well, Paul ends in what scholars say is one of two wish prayers, kind of a benediction. Uh, you'll see how it comes about here in the last verses. As we night and day keep praying most earnestly that we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. Now that I've heard the news, I can breathe again, but I still know there's work to do. You need to be equipped more. Catertizo. You need to be made complete. You need to be furnished for action. There's more to do. There's more to learn. The equipping never stops. I'm glad you're standing strong, but you need to keep growing. And I'm hoping to get back to Thessalonica so I can teach you more and impart more truth to you. But now you have the letter. And now, may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you. I'm praying that we'll get back to you. And may the Lord cause you, and I want you to receive this for yourself, brethren. May the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all men, just as we also do for you, so that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before our God and Father at the coming, that's our word, parousia, of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. If you have an NIV, it says with all his holy ones. A couple final thoughts. F.F. Bruce says, being blameless in God's sight is more important than being blameless by worldly standards. I told a group recently, I'm going to stand before a Bema seat. And my Lord's going to say, he's going to judge how I cared for his flock, how I cared for his people. And what I desperately want to hear, and Lord willing, I will, is well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? See, that will simplify a lot of things in your life. If you just fast forward, just it's not that long away, brethren. And that's if the Lord doesn't come in our lifetime, because if he comes in our lifetime, it'll be sped up even more. See, my prayer is that he will establish your hearts. You be strong so that you'll be unblameable in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of Jesus. Jesus is coming with all his saints. See that word saints there? It's hagias in Greek. It could be holy ones as in angels, or it could be the people of God. Here's what we do know. Jesus, the Bible says, is coming, get this, with all of the angels. When Jesus comes, all the angels are coming with him. You say, how many angels are there? Gabriel and Michael? Oh no, many more. In fact, the Bible says there are myriads of myriads and the most believe the language means an uncountable number or perhaps millions and billions of angels are coming. You want to talk about a light show? I know Jesus is real shiny, but when the heavens open and Jesus comes in his glory and then all the angels who hang out in his glory come with him, you want to talk about a light show? You've been at a stadium? You've seen a light show? Boom, boom, boom. The, uh, Praise the Lord, I didn't even finish the thought and you're already clapping. And, and, y'all, boom, boom, boom. How many of you, (laughs) I've never seen so many fireworks that we saw on the 4th of July. There were people, my neighbors were shooting off 
things that were like military-grade explosives. Boom! Like shook our whole house. Glorious. Anyway, the Lord is coming with all his angels. Here's a few verses. Matthew 16, 27. Matthew 24, 31. Matthew 25, 31. We'll talk more about this in future studies. Jesus is coming with the armies of heaven. And the one thing that you're going to want to know on that day is that he's your king. Because you don't want to be his adversary on that day. Because just Jesus alone is enough. But all the angels coming with him, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to say on that day, uh-oh. And a lot of people are going to be saying, oh, yeah. I want to be in the oh, yeah category. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for your living word. We do look forward to a time when our king is coming. Our king is coming. Our king is coming. Oh, thank you, Lord. This, this uh, study in 1 Thessalonians, we've already run into this a, a few times, and there's much more to come. We're going to learn about the day of the Lord, the rapture. We're going to learn about so many things related to the second coming. And this is going to be an encouragement to comfort one another with these words that we can live a life where when you come, we will just be rejoicing. And the reason we're going to be blameless is because you already paid for our sin at the cross. But what we are positionally, we want to be practically. Would you help us to live lives of holiness, Lord? Help us to be more set apart, more sanctified. We understand our humanity. We've seen some of that in this message, but let us take comfort in your faithfulness. You've been listening to Now We Really Live, If You Stand Firm in the Lord, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. But remember, if you missed any part of today's program or parts 1 or 2, you can listen on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Michael Lance is the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship here in Corona, California. So if you live anywhere in Southern California, we'd love it if you would join us for any one of our church services, Bible studies, or our harvest event on October 31st. So stay up to date by downloading the Living Truth app. The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now here's Pastor Michael with some final words. Well, what really makes you tick? What puts wind into your sails? Could you say, hey, man, that's like a, a breath of fresh air going into my lungs. Is it? watching other Christians stand strong? Is it seeing a brand new believer born into the family of God? Is it calling a friend that you served with years ago and finding out he hasn't moved an inch, he's standing strong in his marriage, in his ministry? Well, that's what made Paul tick, and I pray that that's what's most important to us, is seeing what God is doing even despite us, <laughs> amen, because sometimes I wonder why God uses me, and uh, I take great delight in the fact that he can use someone like me. So if you, if that encourages you, then I pray that you receive that for yourself and just keep celebrating God's grace every single day. Now, speaking of the grace of God and the will of God, tomorrow's message is going to be all about the will of God. What is the will of God for the believer? What is our target? How do we know? Well, we're going to uh, dive into that tomorrow right here on Walk in Truth. Hey, Harvest Fest is coming up at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where I serve as senior pastor. 
It's in the city of Corona. It's a great church. It's actually the church behind Walk in Truth. And we'd love for you to visit. If you're anywhere near the Inland Empire, you know, we've had people drive from West L.A. and uh, cities where it was probably a good hour drive or more from the beach. But they came because they they have an affinity with this ministry and they have a partnership. And if that's you and you're like, man, I've never let Walk in Truth know that I'm standing with them, we'd like to know. We'd love a prayer request or a phone call, 844-48-TRUTH, or come and worship with us. Come out to the Harvest Fest. It's happening on October 31st, Halloween night. It's an alternative for you and your family. We're going to have a trunk and treat. We're going to have themed out cars, a maze, worship, food, of course, candy. It's going to be a fun night, and we want you to come on out. Hey, make plans now. It's 6 to 8.30 on October 31st, and it's happening at Living Truth. Info and directions when you download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store, or again, walkintruth.com. We hope to see you here. God bless. Hey, one more thing before we go. In case you didn't know, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your $5 donation helps us broadcast on radio, provide the podcast, and do free apologetic events all part of our mission to equip you with the truth in the Bible and how to apply it to today's issues, trends, and culture. So if you can, please give your donation at walkintruth.com. And thank you. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1-8, through 8, called, This is the Will of God. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.